Hi, it's Tina Anderson with Get Fit, Stay Healthy, a podcast focused on practical, user-friendly health and fitness tips for your mind, your body, and your soul. This is the third segment in a series on my GFIT Better Body Battle Plan Success Guidelines, part of a series focused on getting the body you want and deserve. Let's move into one of my favorite areas, working out. That's right, the GFIT Top 10 Better Body Battle Plan Exercise success guidelines. Number one, know the purpose of the exercise. Translation, why am I doing this? I'll be honest with you, a lot of people wander around the gym watching other people sweat and waste time trying to figure out what the heck to do. Or they chat. If you want your workout time to be part of your social time, that's fine. But don't expect six-pack abs from talking about them. Here's the deal. There are a lot of different reasons to exercise and a lot of different consequences as a result of your choices. For example, are you exercising to reduce stress and clear your mind, to lose body fat, to get stronger, to get faster, to gain muscle, to just get healthier and feel better, to increase your energy levels, for a sport, an activity, to train for a competition, to get out of the house or away from something or someone? to chat, to meet chicks or guys, or to fit into your skinny jeans. The list is endless. If you want to get the most out of your workout, you need to know what it is you want to achieve, how you want to feel when you're done, and the potential changes in your physique. Are you social? Do you need others around you to keep you motivated? Then perhaps fitness classes. Are you competitive? Try bodybuilding, tennis, triathlons, or races. Do you like to escape into your own world? Maybe swimming? Do you enjoy choreography? Consider all the variables and then make good choices for your mind and your body. Your dropout rate will decrease and your success rate will increase when you take control of this aspect. Number two, cross-training helps prevent plateaus and overuse injuries. Consistency is critical, but repetition in your workouts can be a calorie killer and an injury magnet. You absolutely must change something about your workouts all the time. Beginners can probably go about four to six weeks before their body starts to adapt to the workout. Advanced exercisers, oh, you've got to change your workouts by at least four weeks. Why? Our bodies are amazing at adapting to what we are asking them to do. And the research clearly shows that we burn less calories after we've repeated the same exercises for several weeks. Muscle memory and adaptation are actually really good things, but if you're trying to drop body fat and gain lean muscle mass, you have to keep your body guessing and working extra hard. That won't happen if you've been doing high-low aerobics since leg warmers were in fashion and nothing else to complement it. You've heard the term, been there, done that. Well, that's exactly what your body is saying when you don't cross-train. I recently met with a new client who has been using three-pound dumbbells for three years, and she's been doing basically the same thing the entire time. Yikes. Ooh, that's kind of an exaggeration, but I bet some of you are not that far behind. So here's the burning question. Does that mean you have to switch from your lake walk to rock climbing or drop your favorite group exercise class? No, it simply means that you have to alter one aspect of what you are doing and or make sure your instructor is changing his or her workouts. For example, if you're walking, walk faster, walk hills, walk in intervals, walk longer, skip, jog, 
and change your course for Pete's sake. And if you absolutely love your exercise classes and they keep you consistent, just supplement them with other fitness activities. If you're in a maintenance program and happy with where you're at, then none of this is as important. But please do not do the same thing over and over and over again and expect different physical results after the initial changes. It's not going to happen. And I think that's the definition of insanity too, isn't it? Number three, learn to love intensity, not duration. Don't get caught up in how long you've spent at the gym or how long you can stay on the treadmill unless you're training for a triathlon or a marathon since competitions require entirely different protocols. One of my husband's trainer's favorite saying is, it's not how much you lift, but what you do with the weight. You can accomplish a lot in a very short period of time if you're focused. So really, it's not how long, it's how hard and what you're doing. Think about your average marathon runner and your average sprinter. Their bodies look very different. One runs for hours and hours and hours. One runs for short, intense bouts. Unless I'm teaching or taking a class, my average hard workout is 40 to 45 minutes and as short as 30 sometimes. I'm out of breath and I am spent when I'm done. Do not make a lack of time an excuse. It's not valid anymore and you're kidding yourself if you think it is. Number four, don't exercise too much. Okay, I said it. Let me say it again. Don't exercise too much. What in the world does that mean, right? This is not an excuse to get off the treadmill once you break a sweat or skip your entire workout on Monday because you're a little bit tired. This is one of the biggest mistakes we make, however, along with cutting our calories too much. Exercise intensity and frequency help to control your hormone levels. If you overexercise, like doing mega amounts of cardio, your body really doesn't get a chance to recover, and this can wreak havoc on your hormones, preventing them from maintaining correct levels, thus preventing proper fat loss. And I'll get into that more in tip number five. And then your body breaks down. Exercise is another form of stress on your body, and we all know what happens to our mind and our bodies when we are stressed out. Moderation is key. So don't go adding 60-minute elliptical workouts every day before breakfast if you're already on a properly designed, well-executed, consistent exercise schedule, but still not losing body fat. Instead, look at your diet. Speaking of number five, here's suggestion number five. The fat-burning zone does not melt fat off your body. This myth was pervasive in the fitness community for years, kind of still is. I used it in my leotard wear and thong bottomed aerobics classes, and you'll see it as part of a training component on certain cardio equipment. The theory suggests that if your heart rate moves outside of a targeted fat burning zone, you stop burning fat and only burn carbs while you're working out. This prompted many of us in the fitness community to create long, slow, low intensity cardio programs or as some like to call it, the lie, low-intensity exercise, during which our heart rate monitors were set to beep every time we moved out of our pre-described range. So annoying. It didn't matter that we weren't breathing hard, weren't sweating much, and then we could all paint our nails at the same time. But hey, that fat was just melting off our abs and thighs, right? What, hold on. Wait, let me check. Um. Oh, you know what? Shoot. Mine's still there. Okay, so once and for all, what is the real truth about the 
fat burning zone. At lower intensities, you burn a greater percentage of calories from fat than carbs. And at higher intensities, you burn a greater percentage of calories from carbs than fats. But the most important factor in shrinking your body is not the ratio of carbs to fat burned. It's the total number of calories burned. And higher intensity exercise burns more calories. In other words, the selective use of fat as a fuel does not translate into greater fat loss. And it gets worse. Your body actually becomes efficient at storing fat when you work all the time in the lower intensity levels. Since you're now burning fat as your primary source of fuel, your body adapts and becomes very good at storing fat. It has to. If you're running 1,200,000 million miles every day, blame it on a self-preservation mechanism built into our body's operating system. Either way, anything that tells our bodies to store fat is not welcomed. Lock the door and throw away the key on this one. If I'm going to store fat, it better be from my favorite ice cream sundae or a sloppy Italian meal, not from endless hours of fat jiggling, pavement pounding, jogging, for heaven's sake. You are listening to Get Fit, Stay Healthy. These are the G-Fit Better Body Battle Plan Top 10 Success Guidelines for Exercise. I'm Tina Anderson, and this is tip number six. You cannot spot reduce, and you will not get six-pack abs from doing crunches. Here's another couple of doozies. You cannot move a certain part of your body and expect a decrease in fat cells from that area just because you focused on it. Fat loss is genetic and systematic to your entire body. You have fat cells all over the place, and they are typically shrinking or expanding together. Furthermore, many studies have shown that we tend to lose weight first from one area and gain weight first in another, and it's not necessarily a positive correlation i.e., if you lose weight first from your arms and chest, you will probably still gain weight back in your hips and butt first, if that's your genetic makeup. Okay, let's just all say it together, because I know what you're thinking. I do. That That sucks. sucks. Couldn't be much more unfair, could it? Okay, anyway, doing 500 leg lifts and 1,000 crunches every day will definitely do something to that area, such as increase muscular endurance or the size of your muscle fibers, but it will not reduce fat or give you visible ab muscles. That happens when your fat cells shrink, and that happens with proper eating and overall exercise. Think about it. If spot reduction actually worked, tennis players and pitchers would have terribly lopsided arms, one side lean and tiny and one side fat and large. The thigh master would still be a bestseller, and anyone who jogs or runs on a consistent basis would have lean, muscular legs. Tip number seven. Frequency, intensity, and duration. It matters. How often should I exercise? If you want to exercise every day, just make sure you are not doing the same thing. And expect to really do that for maybe a short period of time. Six days a week is much more practical. I suggest two to three days of resistance work and at least three days of cardio work. Do more for fat loss and fitness gains and do less for maintenance. 
How long is a cardio session? Health benefits can be achieved in as little as 12 to 20 minutes, but you probably won't be losing a lot of fat. Most of us need at least 30 minutes of sustained cardio. Beyond 60, you often reach a point of diminishing returns and increase the likelihood of injury, overtraining, and adaptation. I suggest 30 to 60 minutes for fat loss, about 30 minutes for gaining muscle, 30 minutes for maintenance, and basically about 30 minutes for conditioning. How hard should you be working out? How many calories do you want to burn? The harder you work, typically the higher the payoff. Pretty simple. There are so many ways to measure your effort, but I like to use the easiest ones. How is my breathing? And or how do I feel? Or perceived exertion. Am I out of breath? Do I feel like I'm working hard? And if it's yoga or Pilates, the question might be, am I getting more centered? Can I feel my muscles stretching and working? Or maybe even do I feel more relaxed? Tip number eight. Hit it for epoch. High intensity interval training for epoch. Post-exercise oxygen consumption. I know, it's kind of uh, esoteric. If you can do it, work in sets of 30 seconds to two minutes of extremely high intensity bouts of exercise, followed by the same amount of active recovery for about 20 to 30 minutes total for at least twice a week. Rev up your metabolism and keep it up long after the session is over. This increase in metabolism is called excess post-exercise oxygen consumption, or EPOC. According to a British study, levels of human growth hormone, which assists in building muscle and burning fat, skyrocketed 530% in subjects after just 30 seconds of sprinting as fast as they could on a stationary bike. Wow. A quick precautionary note. This is really tough stuff. Do not start with high-intensity interval training or HIT if you're a beginner or getting back into exercise or coming off an injury. This is advanced stuff, and you need to add it in gradually. But go for it as soon as you can. By the way, I think this area is so important, and I believe in it so much that I'm going to devote a short podcast to it probably in about two or three segments after the next one. All right, number nine, rest and recovery will make you stronger not weaker. Good workouts result in occasional muscle soreness, and although the no pain, no gain mantra sent us in the wrong direction for a while, one can expect one's body to hurt a little from time to time. As far as injuries, doing the same thing over and over and over again wears down joints and creates muscle imbalances, and also can create weakness, not making you stronger. Sometimes you hit a plateau, right? But the other side of it is this. Basic mechanical factors change with age and influence how we train. So changing up something drastically, like biking for three hours when you normally do one, could have a drastic effect too in the other direction. You could shock your body so much you could create an injury. Major soreness for several days indicates that you probably did just that. In other words, it's three days later and you're still sore or you can't walk. That's not really a good sign. Injuries can set you back both physically and emotionally. Okay, so no weekend athlete stuff or weekend warrior crap like three hours of pickup basketball just to prove to yourself that you can hang with the youngsters after an hour of weights and an hour of picking weeds in your garden. What happens when you get hurt? You miss workouts and get off track. 
Listen to your body and give it adequate rest and recovery and don't train through real pain. Take at least one full and complete day off each week and try for several days in a row at least once a year. You're not wasting your time and you won't gain weight. I threw my back out several years ago and had to rest completely for almost six weeks. I came back stronger and better, truly, only after a few weeks back in the gym. If you never feel like you need a day off or two, you probably aren't training that hard. Sorry, it's the truth. Rest and recovery will make you stronger. And number 10. This is kind of a motivational one. Every move you make counts. Do not discount any activity that gets you and keeps you moving. Don't skip all movement because you haven't found what you like or what keeps you consistent. Keep trying at it. Moving a little is always better than not moving at all. If you remember, 12 minutes can make a difference. Find what you love, try to do that which is challenging, and strive for breathlessness at least a couple times a week in your workouts. And you've made great strides in the right direction to enjoying and appreciating the E word. And I don't mean eating. Make it fun by knowing what you like, what you can tolerate, what motivates you, what keeps you interested, injury-free, at and in the shape you like, mentally balanced, and just a person with higher energy and an overall better disposition. Exercise can and will do all of that if you match the right activity to your personality, your fitness level, and your lifestyle. Woo! Got through them. So hard to decide what to choose. There are so many more. And as we get into more of these podcasts, I'll take some of those areas specifically and devote a little more time to the exercise component. Okay, once again, the top 10 suggestions and tips in review. Number one, know the purpose of the exercise. Why are you doing it? What do you expect from it? Number two, cross-training is an absolute must. Change things up. Do not let your body completely adapt. Number three, learn to love intensity, not duration. Number four, don't exercise too much. Too much of a good thing can be too much of a good thing, in other words. Number five, the fat burning zone does not melt fat off your body. Sorry, doesn't happen that way. Number six, you cannot spot reduce and you will absolutely 100% 50,000 percent not get six-pack abs from doing 1,250 million thousand hundred crunches for the last time. It doesn't work that way. Okay, I'm fine now. Number seven, frequency, intensity, and duration. It all matters. Number eight, hit it for epoch. Number nine, rest and recovery makes you... Stronger, yes, not weaker. And number 10, every move you make counts. In a couple of weeks, we begin the emotional and psychological components. I have embarked on my own personal journey in this area. It's complicated and overwhelming at times, but so critical to achieving your goals. Until then, make good choices, set appropriate boundaries, spread some good vibrations in the world, Find something to laugh about every day, and please, manage your stress before it manages you. This is Tina Anderson with Get Fit, Stay Healthy, asking you to please do the same.